Blog Talk Radio. She was like nothing I ever known. Her eyes shine like diamonds in the field of snow. Man, that destiny led her to me. Made him feel that life was now complete.
Welcome to the One Love, One Connection, One Us. I am your host, Reverend Harvey L. Bailey, and yes, you are tuned in to One Love, One Connection, One Us. And there is a reason that we changed up our theme music for the tonight's episode. But I just need to mention to you all, tonight my host, uh, my co-host, Reverend Arlene Cahet, will not be joining me. Instead, I will have one of the other members of the Family Healing Circle, the host of his own show, The Sacred Masculine, which will be on next Thursday right here in this very spot, our own resident social worker and ordained reverend, Mr. Reverend Jamel Gilliam. Jamel, you there? Oh, yes, I am. Good evening, folks. I'm happy to be here. And I am happy to have you. And everyone, the reason that Arlene is unable to join me, and she will be back next month, is that Arlene got married today. And, of course, you know how that is. No one wants to spend their honeymoon on the radio. So if you know Arlene, if you don't know Arlene, you can find us on Facebook at One Love, One Connection, One Us and say congratulations to her. If you know her personally, you can send her an email or a text to say congratulations. I'm sure she'd love to hear from everyone on this, her very big day. So, Reverend well, Jamel, say, how are you? Huh? No, I, just want to say, I just want to say congratulations uh, so it will be recorded. Uh, definitely is a wonderful occasion. It really is. It's a beautiful thing. It is. But unfortunately, tonight we're going to talk about something that's not such a beautiful thing. And, Reverend Jamel, have you ever heard me talk about the war on love? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so I I just want to briefly touch on the war on love because it's bigger than what we think. You know, we experience it in our own relationships, in our relationships with everyone. And we experience it most in our romantic relationships. But it is so much larger than that. You see, the war on love operates through basically two factions. On one side, you've got love. And on the other side, you've got fear. Now, fear Mm. controls some mighty powerful generals. Hate is the most popular. Hate has the biggest forces out there running around on this planet. And most people think that uh, hate is the opposite of love. It's not. Hate actually works for fear. Hate is sponsored by fear. When you find someone hating, when you get to the bottom of their hate, what you're going to find is there's a fear. There's a fear that you're going to take something from them. There's a fear that they're going to be less than. There's a fear that they won't be whole if you get yours. There's a fear that's rooted in the reason that they hate you. They could simply hate you because you're not like them. So it's love and it's hate. And hate does a lot of things. We know that. We do. But then you've got this other general called greed. And we we know how powerful greed is, right? We've seen greed in action. We've seen, as the song say, what people do for money. 
Yeah, so greed on its own is very powerful. And when greed gets together with hate, it only makes things so much worse. But Benjamin, there's the leader of the Special Operations Command. And this guy here, he is absolutely the worst, no matter what hate thinks. This guy here gets everybody. And it gets you whether you know it or not. As a matter of fact, the minute you come in, let me change that. The second you come into this world, he is already at work. It's called division. Mm. Yeah, division. You know, the minute you get a name, you are divided from other people. On your birth certificate, it says whether you're male or female, division. It says whether you're black, white, Caucasian, Asian, Hispanic. Whatever you are, division. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's a bad thing when it becomes a tool. As you get older and people use it against you. You know, and no one needs to preach on racism in America as if it's anything new because it's not. It's not. So we know how division works. But then you can also look at it in relationships, men versus women. And that's as far as I want to go with this war on love tonight because – For many years, we've heard about things like domestic violence, and we've heard about rape, and it's always been kind of hidden, but it's always been, you know, a man's crime against women. And I want people to know it is a crime against humanity. It is not a crime against just women. It is a crime against humanity. And so, Jamel, I want to throw out some stats, but then I want you to kind of correct these. These are stats I took from New York Times. You know, but I'm thinking since, you know, you're in the business being a social worker and as I understand it, you spent a lot of your career working with domestic abuse, right? Absolutely, with uh, males and females, believe it or not. With males and females, good. And, and because we haven't heard a lot about males, but I just want to throw out some of these stats that I that I pulled from the New York Times. It says nearly one in five women that they've surveyed have been raped or had a bad experience with an attempted rape. That's one in five women. That means 20%. And this is American. This is just the United States, not worldwide. But still, that's roughly 20% of the American female population, one in six women have been stalked. Wow. So now we also have one in four women have been the victims of domestic violence. That's 25% of American women have been beat by their partners. Now, the thing about it is that is male and female partners. So it's same-sex relationships as well as heterosexual relationships. But then here's the thing that I hadn't heard before I pulled this, okay, that one in seven men have experienced severe domestic violence at the hands of an intimate partner. And again, that's same-sex and heterosexual One in seven men, one in five men or boys, by the time they're age 10, of those who have been molested, one in five boys have been molested by the time they were age 10. And it's usually by someone they know, a family member or a close family friend. One in 71 men have been raped. One in 71 men have been raped. 
Reverend Jamel, speak to me on those stats. I mean, because I'm sure you probably have some more up to date or you have something different or maybe the same. But tell us what you know about that. That's just what I pulled from New York Times. Yeah, sure. Um, I, what I recall, I mean, just some of the work that I've done with men, um, I want to speak about that first. A lot of men who are uh, in relationships with women, um, the the best that they can do in regards to uh, breaking her down or uh, making her feel less than what she is or further lowering her self-esteem is to uh, sexually, you know, sometimes sexually assault her. The assault takes the form uh, in, in a sec- it takes sexual form, but it, it doesn't stop there. Sometimes uh, some of these men may, you know, be physical, of course, and some of them may have even been uh, emotionally abusive. Um, what people really don't talk about oftentimes as well is that, you know, there are, in, in the same cases, women are as equally abusive towards the men uh, physically, uh, emotionally, um, and and sometimes even sexually. I mean, I don't want to leave that mm. out. And this is something that, we tend to ignore as a society, society because we just can't imagine that a woman could take advantage of a man. Uh, same I'm sex trying to imagine that now, and it's hard. Yeah, yeah. And uh, same-sex relationships, they are, you know, they're definitely, you know, there's a dynamic. And I've done, I've actually served as therapist to same-sex couples, male and female. And oftentimes uh, in the um, LGBTQ community, there is a lot of domestic violence and it's almost uh, accepted as a norm because this is what happens, and this, you know, folks may sometimes be um, struggling with, you know, their, um, you know, their lifestyle, you know, whether they're not really sharing with their families, they haven't, you know, come out of the closet, or they have, haven't really accepted that this is who they are. You know, people uh, take for granted that many people who are, you know, with this lifestyle may have some depression or some other challenges, whatever those challenges are, and they struggle with that, and so. Violence is very much prevalent, you know, prevalent in those communities, uh, but it's not uh, taken. I mean, there are, unfortunately, more and more agencies that are addressing it, but there aren't enough agencies that address with the same-sex couples or uh, to address uh, what's happening to the men. Um, I've worked at House of Ruth, uh, which predominantly uh, work with, they, you know, they basically treat the women, and they provide uh service for the families uh, as a whole, whether it be the women with children, uh, single, you know, women without children, uh, and even the men. And so I had the opportunity to work with the men uh, as it relates to their own abusive ways towards their women, uh, whether it be wives, girlfriends, or, you know, whatever they want to consider these women to be in their lives. Mm. That is serious. Reverend Jamel, that is real serious. And we're going to go to a song here. And when we come back, we're going to hear from the first of our guests. And she's going to share her story with us right after this. Hardly spell her name. That's not our problem. That's up to Brenda's family. 
Well, let me show you how it affects our whole community. Now, Brenda really never knew her moms. And her dad was a junkie putting death into his arms. It's sad, because I bet Brenda doesn't even know. Just because you're in the ghetto doesn't mean you can't grow. But oh, that's a vote. My own revelation. Do whatever it takes to resist the temptation. Brenda got herself a boyfriend. Her boyfriend was a cousin. Now let's watch the joy. And she tried to hide a pregnancy from a family who really didn't care to see or give a damn if she went out and had a church of kids. As long as when the check came, they got first dip. Now Brenda's belly's getting bigger, but no one seems to notice any change in her figure. She's 12 years old and she's having a baby. In love with the molester who's sexing her crazy. And yet, and also thinks that he'll be with her forever. And dreams of a world with the two of them are together. Whatever. He left there and she had the baby solo. She had it on the bathroom floor and didn't know so. She didn't know what to throw away and what to keep. She wrapped the baby up and threw him in a trash heap. I guess she thought she'd get away with hear the cry. She didn't realize how much the little baby had a eye. Now the baby's in a trashy ballin'. Mama can't help her but it hurts to hear her calling. Brenda wants to run away. Mama say you're making me lose pay. And social workers here every day. Now Brenda's gotta make her own way. Can't go to a family. They won't let her stay. No money, no babysitter. She couldn't keep a job. She tried to sell crap but end up getting robbed. So now what's next? It ain't nothing left to sell. So she sees sex as a way of leaving hell. It's paying the rent. So she really can't complain. Prostitute fans slain. And Brenda's her name. She got a baby. Zakia, 
you're going to tell us your story. Wow, yes. Thank you, Harvey, and for inviting me and allowing me the opportunity to share about this uh, subject. It certainly is a subject that um, is very near and dear to my heart, and I'm so grateful that um, uh, Reverend Jamal is working in the field um, with domestic violence. So let me just begin with this. Um, Abuse actually started in my life when I was four. And I experienced sexual abuse. I know you mentioned sexual abuse earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I had the experience of physical abuse, I was 15. And that actually was the first and only time that I had the kind of pain that I know so many women and men go through when there's a human being that's putting their fist in your face. I was uh, going with a guy who was 6'1", I'm 4'11", and a very strong, strapping young man. Um, And we had a disagreement. He wanted me to do one thing, and I didn't want to do that one thing, and the way he got me, my attention, was to beat me. And he literally took his fist. And as I say, I bring this quote, uh, he beat me in the face like Muhammad Ali beat Joe Frazier. Mm. I was on the Orleans Street Viaduct. For those of you who are in Baltimore, you know, pretty much know where that is on the east side. And, um, Harvey, I don't even know how to explain how a grown man beats a woman in the face with his fist. And I'm trying, crawling out in the street. I'm crying out for help. Nobody's stopping. He's grabbing me, pulling me by my hair, pulling me back on the sidewalk and continually beating me and beating me. And then pushing me down the street. As my face and my lips are bleeding, I mean, I can feel the blood coming out. Um, I just can't tell you how horrible a feeling it is. I mean, even even now as I'm uh, talking about it, it brings back up that whole scene and the feeling behind it. I did not go to a hospital. I went to... Uh, he made me go back to his house, and he left. And I went. His mother saw me, and she was just, just, "Oh my God, what happened to you?" And I told her that her son had did this. She was ready to call the police. Harvey, I wouldn't let her. I would not allow her to call the police because I didn't want to get him in trouble. And that's at fifteen. Um, I ended up with a face that looked like a monster. My eyes were all bruised and black. My lips looked like two ten lips, you know, just just huge. And I stayed like that for you know until I healed. Wow! So that was my first time having that experience. When I got married at the age of twenty-one, I married a man who 
was more verbally abusive. We didn't have the physical abuse, but the verbal abuse. And I was very afraid of him because he, too, was a very big man um, and very, he was a police officer and um, he would threaten me and um, call me horrendous names. And um, I finally was able to release myself from that marriage. I got married again. And in my second marriage, uh, it was more um, the two of us. I learned how to fight back. And so when he would, when he threw me up against the wall and, and was trying to choke me, then I was fighting back. This time I fought back. I never fought back with the other two. But this time I was fighting back. So it was both of us um, fighting with, against one another and I know you talked about that earlier, how, you know, women are now um, fighting men. But this time it was in self-defense. In my third marriage, Harvey, it was um, physical, emotional, mental, verbal. Um, I experienced uh, being choked being pushed up against the wall with his hand around my neck, choking me. I experienced his rage often, very often, how he called me every word that there could be. I don't know what you can say on your your <laughs> on your um, show, Harvey. You know, you, we can say a lot of things mm-hmm. on my show. But, right, um, right. Called me every B word that could possibly be, and um, and the one thing that this one did that I had never experienced with any of the other abusers was he spit in my face, mm. and he did that on a couple of occasions. And so I can say that um, you know, it, it, mine is not the worst story that there is, because I've heard other women who have been totally brutally beaten to the point where they've had arms broken and legs broken and thrown downstairs and all kinds of stuff, so that did not happen to me, but any kind of abuse, any time a man on a woman is devastating, is absolutely devastating. And I will say this, you know, I hear people often say, the worst thing that can happen is to have someone spit in your face. It's a horrible feeling. It is an absolutely horrible feeling. It's a degrading feeling. But that spit, I was able to wipe off. But that fist left mm-hmm. lasting. And left the emotional left. bruises last yeah. even longer than the pain of the fist. Zakia, I want to get Jamel in here, and I want Jamel to, you know, share some of his thoughts about what you've just said. Reverend Jamel, if you would, please. Yeah, I mean, she, wow, she said a lot. I mean, um, I, I definitely hear that there were a lot of moments where, you know, these were men that you loved, but it sounds like they didn't love themselves enough um, to to treat you better. And so I... Unfortunately, that's a story 
that a lot of women have. Some of these guys never witnessed a man loving their mom the right way. They never knew that love. They never saw their own dads, you know, loving any women. So for them, this was the best thing that they could do. Uh, that's all they knew was to lash out on you. They were essentially projecting their own issues out on you that they they'd have no control over. And I'm I'm speaking, uh, you know, just speaking with uh, the experience of working with the batterers at the House of Roots. A lot of these guys just didn't know how. They would lash out. They were very apologetic, and we all know about the cycle of abuse. But they would still be with these these women in these relationships, and it would continue. The cycle would just continue over and over again. They would be very apologetic. You know, you would get flowers, love, sex, all kinds of great things. And then as soon as they get angry, they're back to square one. And so you, you know, you suffer that. And a lot of women, millions of women out there suffer that. Um, and so it's unfortunate. And so you took a stance of mutual combat eventually where you fought back. And we saw that in the I can Tina Turner movie. Mm-hmm. Where she fought back. And What's love you know, got you, to do pay with attention, it? Absolutely. When you watch the show with women, they cheer. They cheer. When you watch the show, my wife loves to talk about this uh, episode from, uh, I believe it was this, this Christmas. I don't I remember the, the, the scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, with uh, the baby oil coming baby out of the shower. Oil. Yeah, she put the baby <laughs> yeah, and, and, and beat this, a grown man, you know, who was, uh, you know, cheating on her. He, She beat him with the belt. And I remember, you know, everyone cheered at that moment as well. So, you know, there's a sickness in our community, and I'm not even going to say the black community. I think that's in society as, as a whole. There's a sickness where we need to see something wrong with that. You know, when you're in masculine circles, I mean, if they're not healthy masculine circles, you, you know, you may oftentimes find yourself hearing and listening to guys, hey, you know, I have to slap, I have to, you know, whatever, whatever they, you know, talk about doing. And uh, I had, unfortunately, recently was in a barbershop and they were doing the same thing. And I just kind of said, well, that's not cool. You know, the guy was just kind of, you know, some bravado about how he was treating his woman. And, you know, I just, just kind of said, you know, that's not right. You know, he wouldn't want his daughter or his mother to be treated like that. Of course, I was, mm-hmm. you know, not uh, 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 accepted at that point. But the truth is no one wants that. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, it's de- definitely I'm, I'm apologizing on behalf of men abroad, you know, sister, that you had to endure that. But it sounds like you definitely became a stronger woman as a result of it because you realize, you know, what you were willing to accept and not accept. I mean, there's a lot of un- pe- unhealthy people out here, and they're hurting. And unfortunately, the only way that they feel better is by hurting other people. Yeah, hurt people hurt people, you know. And they, violence is never, like you said, Reverend Jamel, you, you know, it's a sick community, and it's not a racial thing. I mean, you think about it, it always had been gladiators. That wasn't about black people. That wasn't even us involved in that. But when you put someone in, in a cage and it's a fight to the death, or when you put someone in the fight with lions, you see, we've always enjoyed the violence. And, and I talked about right. the vision, so I'm going to go ahead and jump in. I don't want to separate myself. You know, I've studied martial arts. I was an amateur boxer. I had a 3-0 and record before I quit. You know, I went into the Army to be the baddest thing you ever seen, lean, mean, fight machine. You know, so I spent five years in the infantry. And then I did another three mm. years in field artillery, which is still combat arms, and I was special weapons oh, yeah. there. You know what I mean? So violence has always been a part of what I've done. You know, I was a bounty hunter. I was a private investigator. I was a correctional officer at BCDC. 
So I, violence has always been around me. It's been a part of who I've been, you know, and it's not the right thing. You know, interestingly enough, you know, I've always sought peace, but violence has always been there. So it's, you know, Zakia, like Reverend Jamel is saying, hurt people hurt people. When there's pain inside of us, we're trying to find a way to get it out. And the, the least little bit of trigger, and those who are closest to us are the ones who can get to the triggers that other people can't get to. You know, that could be somebody you running with on the street, and it could be of the opposite sex. And y'all could, you know, have this great relationship. And then you come home to your partner, and this person can push buttons that that person don't. And both of you are confused. Why are you so cool with them, but then you come in here with all this rage? Because you have access to those buttons that are hidden beyond the layers. That person only gets the outer layer. But well, you know what, Harvey? Um, uh-huh. and, and one thing I wanted to, to add to that is a lot of it's control. Um, right, you know, power and control. More about um, it, it being less about, you know, the, viol- the violence, but about control. If And this is my own experience. When the men that were in my life were didn't feel they could control me or especially with my last husband his whole thing was he wanted me to go along with whatever he said you know i was supposed to agree with him i wasn't supposed to have an opinion of my own and so when i would express my opinion or if i you know would say something that was different than he would then he because he did not he wanted complete control. He wanted complete dominance. And so control is, you know, a big, big, big issue. And mm-hmm. I think that wanting to have control makes you out of control. Right. And, Absolutely. And then finding that that physical way. And like you said, you know, violence has always been here, um, especially uh, in the male, in, you know, with men. Because, you know, that's what you guys, many of you do um, in, in other arenas. I'm not saying it to you all. Um, mm-hmm, with your women, but, you know, just like you were saying, you do your martial arts, you, you know, you're combative on the football field, you know, all those things. But when you have a love mate, I mean, I guess that's the hardest thing for a woman to understand is that here last night we were making beautiful love together, and right. today you're calling me all every bitch that you can, you know, you know, or now you want to throw me up against the wall because of whatever, you know. Um, I always considered myself a very, you know, mild-mannered person. You know, I'm not a very argumentative person, but I do like to be able to express myself. And so, <laughs> um, you know, that can sometimes lead to to that kind of violence. I'll also take responsibility as well, Harvey, because I made the choices that I made and I stayed in situations where I should have left when it first jumped, it reared its ugly head. When I was 15 and this young man um, had been verbally abusive before, I could have walked away and never had that particular experience with him. And I say the same thing for each of my other relationships. So in my learning um, that I wasn't loving myself, didn't honoring myself, I accepted that. Um, and it was my last husband. He was abusive to me before I said yes to his marriage mm. proposal. By the way, 
Congratulations, Arlene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As a kid, we're going to have to go on to our next guest. Hopefully, we'll be able to get you can back. I, can in. I add one last but thing? Thank you. Sure. I want to add one last thing. You know, the interesting thing about the, uh, the, the conversation about this type of relationship is that oftentimes the men have to also take responsibility. You know, when you talk to them, usually, the, and I'm talking about the, the batterers, you know, you ask them what, you know, what happened. And they'll say, oh, well, I hit her because she's X, Y, Z, whatever it was that she's done. And oftentimes what I find is that they pick and choose the type of women that they'll do this to and the situations that they'll do with that. So they won't, you know, some of these guys have never smacked their supervisor because the supervisor, you know, told them to do more work or whatever. You know, they'll pick the woman who is the closest to them. And, mm-hmm. and that's just been always an interesting thing to hear when you talk about it because I – you know, the the style of uh, work that I did at the House Ruth was very confrontational. So oftentimes they weren't happy to be picked apart at their stories because they have to all tell their stories. So it's, it's really important uh, that we, we talk about this because, you know, these things are done in the dark. They're done behind closed doors. They're done in homes. They're not done in public. You know, I mean, I know she shared you shared your story, but more than likely this, these things are done behind closed doors where, you know, no one will tell or stop, no interfere. Um, and it's unfortunate. And and not only yeah. is it done, you know, what I have found, and, I, and what many well, women Zakia, do. Zakia, I, I really don't want to cut you, but I got two other guests that got to get in okay, here. Okay, so I got to get okay. some more stories. Oh, yeah, my, I'm sorry, love. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. I do thank you so very much for allowing me the time to share. God bless. Oh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying thank you. And, you know, appreciate you saying that you do it. All right, Jackie, are you there? Yes, yes. Good evening. Good evening, Jackie. How are you today? I am wonderfully well. Thank you so much. How about yourself? I am excellent. You know, whole, perfect, and complete. What more can I say? Now, Jackie, I know, you know, from hearing your story that it's a little different from Zakia's. And so if you're ready, we're ready. You can go ahead and share with us what happened in your life. Yes, uh, thank you so much, Harvey, for allowing me to have this opportunity to share my story. Um, I, too, will begin where domestic violence began in my life, and that is as a child, seeing it as a child with my uh, mom and dad. And the one thing that I said to myself that I would never allow this to happen to me, you know, where someone would put their hands on me, where I would not like it, and so um, it's been a. It's um, I was at a party. I was young, you know, um, just got out of high school and um, seeking and searching through life and whatnot. And um, I went to a party. I was drinking, and um, one thing led to another. Met this guy, and. Um, um, went off with this guy. Like I said, I had been, you know, drinking. And um, we had got together. And um, and that's where it all became where I was gang raped. Um, I did not realize that... Um, I had, I was being abused as well until um, I spoke with you, Harvey, and that's when the light came on. And um, 
And with that experience, you know, there came shame. Um, I was angry with myself. I blamed myself. I I felt like I deserved it. Um, everyone knew about it. Everyone was talking about me. And I had to live with that. So I never let it go. And it affected me in all in my life. Um and um I was not able to love because I was constantly reliving that same experience over and over and over. So, um it played a big role in my intimacy, um where I was not able to be fully open to release myself to experience love that I have within myself because of this same same playing over and over and over in my head. And so I never really talked about it, only when I would get angry, um, when I would blurt it out. And, um, and that didn't help me either because I, um, I never really released it. And so um, in talking about it now, I still have those same feelings. And um, and it's been um it's been a moment. It's been over thirty years and um and it's still affecting me to this day. And it can mhm. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, it, it can be very devastating. You know, it can be because, as I mentioned with Zakia, the physical pain can go away. Even broken bones can be mended. But the emotional trauma behind it can last a lifetime. Yes. Yes, most definitely, especially um, when you don't deal when you don't deal with the issue. You know, covering up, and that's what I have been doing, masking it. But what I was masking it with was with drinking. That didn't help it. So I didn't want to feel the hurt. I just wanted to be numbed. I didn't want to feel anymore. You know, um, I came real hard. You know, um, you know, it's like I got mine. You got yours to get. You know, I, you know, I just became this person where no one is ever going to violate me ever again. You know, I had no feelings. Nothing mattered. But deep down inside, everything mattered. I wanted to feel. I wanted to feel love. I wanted to give my love. But because I covered up for so long and allowed myself to be hard and not allow myself to feel, I put all these bricks, built all these walls up. So I was captive from within inside of myself. I built my own prison within myself. And so now I need to take these bricks down, brick by brick. 
and deal with the issue of it so that I can be released and to give that love that I have within inside of me. And Brother Jamel, again, I want you to, you know, chime in, and I, and I want you to speak to what Absolutely. Jackie has just shared with us. First of all, I want to thank you for uh, opening yourself up to us. Uh, you don't know that you, you know, your sharing has, uh, one, exposed what's happened to you so you can deal with it, and two, there may be someone listening to this broadcast or recording, and they may be thinking exactly the way you've thought, and have said to themselves, it's time for a change. So I want to congratulate you for this victory, the victory that, that stands, um, you know, it stands for justice, it, it stands for change, and, you know, from here on out, you have no place to go but up. You know, I, I heard what you said about self-medicating, and, and oftentimes people do that, but I want to encourage you to, I don't I don't know what uh, jurisdiction or what, what part of uh, the country you're in, but to consider talking to someone that you trust, that you feel comfortable with, that will just listen, that'll that'll help you get to a place where you don't have to, you know, help hurt yourself. You can only, you know, uh, improve from the situation and get better. Uh, and, and they say time heals all wounds, and I think this is the same. Oh yes, yes, most definitely. Um, I'm down in Southern Maryland. I'm in Maryland as well, so I'm I'm down in Charles County. Okay. And yeah, and um, I'm. Just releasing what I had released tonight uh, was great for me, and um, I don't do those things anymore. I'm not as cold and frigid and all that good, all that stuff, you know. Um, I'm in a different space, a uh, different place now in my life where I am love. I know I am love, and I am Absolutely. loving, and I am receiving the love. And I'm just in a beautiful place where um, yes. I receive the support, you know. So, um, you know, it, I really am in a good place now where, um, and I'm ready to release and, and those well, bricks that I have walls that I build up, you know, so that I can release those and and, um, and continue in love and light and honesty. Well, release, taking off the mask. <laughs> absolutely. And we've never met, but I know some people in Charles County that you could talk if you if you so choose, I don't want to force this. Okay. One, but I I definitely want to let you know that help is out there, and uh, you know there are people out here listening to the same broadcast. So if there's you know men or women, women or men that are that are in situations, I think definitely Harvey, I think we would be doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't uh, encourage them to seek help. Um, if you know if they hit us on uh, hit me on uh, Facebook. Maybe you know, and I definitely could find you know, some information for you. I'm I'm open to that. You know, referring, you know, making some referrals. I think the only thing I would need for folks to share with me if if they have insurance or if they don't and what kind. If they don't, there's always someone that can do the work pro bono. So I want to just put that plug out there. Um, folks yeah, Jamel, if you want to go Facebook. ahead, give your information. Also, at the yeah. end of the show, we do have a resource specialist. And she will be talking to people. Um, now, okay. again, she is in Maryland, so most, if not all, of her resources are going to be in Maryland or the Baltimore metro area. But we do have a resource specialist who's going to come on and, you know, talk about where our listeners can get some help for domestic violence, molestation, and rape. 
Perfect. And so, Perfect. Jamel, if you'd go ahead, give your information, if you don't mind, right now, and then we're yeah, going to go to a commercial. So I can be reached on Instagram. I mean, not well, I'm on Instagram, but Facebook, they can inbox me at Jamel A. Gilliam, and Jamel is Jamel, is J-E-R-M-E-L, A. Gilliam. Uh, my email address is givethanks, and that's G-I-V-E-T-H-X at live.com. Um, and so if you either way you could contact me and I'll respond uh, via phone immediately. So I'm complete. All right. And, and Jackie, let me ask you, Jackie. Yes, I'm here. Oh, okay. Before uh, I let you go and we go to commercial, is there anything that you'd like to say, anything you'd like to share, any final thoughts? Anything you'd like us or the people listening to know? Yes, I would like to say is that, you know, we go through, I well, with my with what I went through, my experience, I did not have to hold on to it as long as I did. There's help out there for us, and we don't have to go, go it alone. Share your story. Speak up. So that, you know, we can heal and don't have to carry this in our lifetime so that we can live a joyous and prosperous and loving and peaceful life instead of being in the hurt, the pain, and the sorrow of what someone has done to us. There Amen. is help. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. You know, and it's important to mention, I just want to say this real quick before we do go to this commercial, is that... Many of us have heard it said, if not everyone, hurt people hurt. And Zakia keyed right in on it that, you know, it's about having power. But if you think about it, the more you're hurt, the less you have power. Or at least that's what the mind tells you. You know, if we take a look at one of the biggest incidents in America, well, in world history, because it wasn't American, but in world history of someone who was abused as a child and made to feel completely powerless, yet his powerlessness, he, he needed power so bad that he sought to take over the world. I'm talking about Adolf Hitler. He was abused as a child by his father. You know, he was made to feel less than everybody else. He was treated like garbage, so much so that he ran off. But in his mind, he's a hurt person who needs to fight back, who needs to lash back, and he needs someone to lash at. So the whole idea was of the Third Reich was to take over the world, to show that he has worth. So when you think hurt people hurt people, understand hurt people feel powerless because someone hurt them. When you can stand up to that hurt, and it's not easy. But when you can stand up to that hurt, we heard Zakia tell about it in her story. Reverend Jamel mentioned in the movie What's Love Got to Do With It. Tina Turner did it in her story. When you can stand up, then you start to take back some of your power. The last thing we need is for another person to turn into an Adolf Hitler. I'm going to go to this commercial. Join us every Monday for Totally Whole with Dr. Rosemary Cook and Pastor Bridget as they discuss issues related to spirituality and mental health with emphasis on wholeness of 
mind, body, and spirit. Get your money right Tuesdays on Money Matters with Chastity A. Wells. This show is the tool you need to develop a healthy relationship with your money and financial legacy. Every Thursday is a treat as we mix it up. On the first Thursday of the month, it's Total Empowerment with Angela Hart, where beauty and strength is enhanced inside and out. The second Thursday of the month is Relationship Talk on One Love, One Connection, One Up with Reverends Arlene Cahet and Harvey L. Bailey as they give you practical advice for creating a spiritual union to have the relationship you want. Call in with your relationship questions. Calling all brothers on the third Thursday of the month, it's the Sacred Masculine Show with Reverend Jamel Gilliam. It's a show for spiritual brothers and the women who love them. When there is a fourth Thursday in the month, we have the Healing Paradigm with Reverend Arlene Cahet, healing the mind, body, and spirit through changing viewpoints. Every Friday, let's talk love, sex, and nutrition with sexual wellness coach Bondria Walters and sex enthusiast Zakia Lana. The hottest sexual health and wellness and nutrition show around. This is for the grown and sexy. Listen at your own risk. If you don't know, now you know. The Family Healing Circle on Blog Talk Radio, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's the best in entertainment, education, and talk radio. Yeah. And it go a little something like this. Trying to figure out why the world is so cold Why she's all alone and they never met her family Mama's always gone and she never met her daddy Part of her is missing and nobody will listen Mama's on drugs, getting high up in the kitchen Bringing home in at different hours of the night Starting with some laughs, usually ending in a fight Sneaking in a room when her mama's knocked out Trying to have his way and little Lisa says ouch She tries to resist but then all he does is beat her Tries to tell her mom but her mama don't believe her Lisa's stuck up in the world on her own Forced to think that hell is a place called home Nothing else to do but get some clothes and pack She says she's about to run away and never come back Said he trying to figure why the world is so cold Why she's not pretty and nobody seems to like her Alcoholic stepdad always want to strike her Yells and abuses, leaves her with some bruises She just asks questions, she's making up excuses Bleeding on the inside, crying on the out It's only one girl really knows what she's about Her name is Little Stacy and they become friends Promise that they'll always be tight till the end Until one day Little Stacy gets shot A drive-by bullet went straight up on a block Now Nicole stuck up 
up in the world on her own Wants to think that hell is a place called home Nothing else to do but get her clothes and pack She says she's about to run away and never come back years old. She said he trying to figure why the world is so cold. So she popped X to get rid of all the pain. Plus she's having sex with a boy who's 16. Emotions run deep and she thinks she's in love. So there's no protection. He's using no glove. Never thinking about the consequences of her actions. Living for today and not tomorrow. Satisfaction. The days go by and her belly gets big. The father bails out. He ain't ready for a kid. Knowing her mama will blow it all out of proportion. Plus she lives more so no money for abortion. Erica is stuck up in the world on her own Forced to think that hell is a place called home Nothing else to do but get her clothes and pack She says she about to run away and never come back Basically, a mirror needs to be shown upon it. Um, 
uh, true story. You know, I used to work with uh, youth who were uh, referred to me because they had, they themselves had participated in inappropriate sexual behaviors, and it is amazing how you know how much it was a part of who they were, their culture, their families, uh, their belief systems. They just felt it was okay. You know, the young men. There were a few young women, mm-hmm. but the young men. They felt it was okay to talk to young ladies like that and treat them like that. And it wasn't until, you know, I took the stance of, you know, I said it earlier, what if it was your mom? What if it was your little sister? You know, and they would get angry about that. I mean, that that passion that they demonstrated, you know, that anger that they demonstrated was just an example of how other people were being made to feel at their hands. And it's important that they learn, you know, I call it healthy sexuality. Uh, there's not enough of that being taught in schools. Or in society, people just grow up thinking this is how you're supposed to treat women, and it's not true. Or women may say this is how you're supposed to treat men, but it's not true. Until we can, as you said, stop the war on love, this thing is going to keep happening. You know, people are angry for the wrong reasons with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. All right. And so I want to go ahead and open the lines up. If you want to chime in, if you got any questions, if you have any thoughts, anything that you want to say to us, go ahead and press 1 on your phone, and you can get in on the conversation. All right. And so, Reverend Jamel, you know, I, I, I and I hear what you're saying because I got to tell you, not that I was one who believed in disrespecting women, at least not with the words out of my mouth. But, you know, I'm going to be honest. I grew up in the hood, and there was just certain things that you didn't put up with, you know, when it came to – and it was, it was like you said, thought to be normal. I was probably right. about 13, maybe 14, and, you know, the older cats on the corner, they had to be in their 20s. And they would tell me things like, man, you know, you can get pussy before you can get a woman to fix you a meal. And, right. you know, you treat a good woman bad and a bad woman good. And, you know, there was some other, you know, street knowledge that they would put down to a young brother. And so, though I weren't one to curse you out, I did have a strong mentality that you just weren't going to treat me or talk to me any kind of way. You know, but, you know, I felt like I'm treating you like a queen, so you're going to treat me the same way. And if I felt that you undercut me how I should be treated, you know, you'd get a pink slip quick, (laughs) you know, and move on and not give a second thought about it, you know. And if I really like you, then you may not have got a pink slip. You might have got some very sharp Scorpio words. It's guaranteed to hurt your feelings. <laughs> you know, so it, it's a long path from there to here. But, you know, I just want to say I understand what you're saying because it's very real out there. We Absolutely. grow up with this kind of, you know, knowledge all around us. And unfortunately, sometimes the people we learn it from are the people who should be teaching us better. You know, grown men in the 20s should not be telling, you know, young teenage boys how to get over. Absolutely, and that happens all the time. It happens all the time. And, and, and you know, when I think back, I mean, you know, my first uh, interactions, and, and, you know, a lot of young men, they have stories of watching their dads or their uncles or men in the street, you know, uh, fight their women. And I remember my next-door neighbor when I was younger, he he. That's what he did to his his wife, and we were friends with their daughter. Uh, my my um, mom's second husband, you know, the same thing. And I can name, you know, countless of times, you know, countless number of times where older men in my life they were participating in and behaving badly in, in their treatment of women, 
And as a young man, you know, you sit and you watch these things and wonder, wow, you know, what the heck is going on? You know, mm-hmm. fortunately, I've had enough sense where I made a decision just like you that, hey, this I'm not going to be like this. But all these other young men out here didn't quite get that. And so they suffer from the same, you know, negative exposure and they think that it's, it's okay, that it's commonplace. Yeah, absolutely. And see, I didn't grow up around a lot of violence, at least domestic violence, so I didn't see men beating up women. As a matter of fact, I didn't even hear men cursing or calling women out of their name a whole lot. As a matter of fact, interesting enough, a lot of these brothers who were on the corner teaching me this stuff, you call a woman out of her name, he quick to correct you. They were players. You know, these were the guys from the 70s who dressed sharp. You know, there was none of this, we show our underwear and we don't comb our hair. You know, back in the days, you were all about being sharp because that was how you got the ladies. When you smile, your gold tooth shine. You know, you made sure you had that gold tooth polish up, maybe with your initial in it, and you had some few choice polished words that you said to the ladies. You know, your claim to fame was how many women you could bed. That was the kind of guys that I came up around. So it wasn't even the violence thing, you know, at least not physical violence. It, it was more of these guys were heartbreakers. Yeah. Well, you know, they weren't in it to win it. They was in it to get what they can get. You you said something that was interesting. You know, and and in the in the in the community, the black community, you got to be good at certain things. So either you're good with the ladies, mm-hmm. you're good with your hands, mm-hmm. you're you're an athlete. You know, good mm-hmm. with your hands meaning fighting. You're an mm-hmm. athlete. Mm-hmm. Two things. There's not many. You know, and, and the things that don't really that aren't really valued are things like you work in a, a constant job. I mean, and, and this is when we're talking about unhealthy communities. Or if you are uh, going to school, that's not always you know rewarded. You get acceptance if you've done a bid somewhere. Maybe you did a few years or some months. You get that kind of love. I can tell you about my cousins who, you know. They uh, would get out of jail, and everybody treated them like they were war heroes returning home from the war. But they came home over spring break for college. That was like, well, what you want? So, right. You know, that's definitely something. You know, our values are twisted, and unfortunately, we talk about domestic violence and you know sexual violence towards women. You know, that still falls in line with that culture because we really have mm-hmm. to look at how we treat our women. And we treat our women bad. You know, and we, I can, we, you know, we can name this. We can name situations where we've seen women getting treated bad. And there's no other man to come to her defense. There's a woman, another woman coming to her defense. But if there's no other man coming to her defense, then something's wrong. You know, because usually men will only pretty, for the most part, I'm not always, stop because another man says, hey, you know, chill, knock it off. You know, yeah. you know I have friends included. You know, I say them, hey, you're getting a little rough, you know, chill. So, Yeah. Yeah, and you're right because it goes back to our community, man. You know, it goes back to what we grew up with in in our environment. You know, from those days, like you said, you had to be good with something, and being good with the books didn't cut it. So you coming home from college, that don't mean anything. I mean, mama probably happy, you know, maybe dad or one or two uncles. Some family members may be happy to see you, but it's not the same, you know, because a lot of our mentality is you're never going to get but so far with that. You know, you can get your degree, but then what you're going to do, become a teacher, you know, this, that, the other. You're not going to make it. You're not going to be, you know, if you become a rapper, you might can be Jay-Z or Biggie. 
You know, if you become an athlete, you might become, you know, the next Michael Jordan. You might be Tony Dorsett or somebody. So we look at sports as a way out. We don't necessarily look at getting an education, interestingly enough, as a way out. We look at if you can fight, you don't have to get out. You can defend yourself here. You can hold it down here, you know. Or if you're really good, you can get in the ring and you can become Sugar Ray Leonard. So, yeah, we, we don't look at it the right way. But, you know, and Jamel, with that, I want to say that we're not groomed right as people. As people growing up in the in the city, we're not groomed right. And even if you're out of the inner city, you know, because there's a stigma. No matter where you go, there's a stigma. And society in that environment tries to push you in line with a certain kind of thinking. You know, and you've heard me right. say this. This will probably be the third or fourth time you heard me say this, you know, but I'm going to quote Tavis Smiley again. You know, that stigma has led to what we see in relationships. Tavis said black people don't want to get married and white people can't stay married. So we've gotten yeah. into a point where the stigma has pushed us into so much drama that we expect it. You know, when I, I talk to young brothers who, you know, are in relationships and I hear what they're saying, I hear a version of me 20, 25 years ago. And I can just shake my head and like, wow, really? You know, the only thing is I look back 20, 25 years ago, I'm in my early 20s. I'm listening to them, and they're in their early to mid-30s. And I'm like, man, you know, this mentality isn't going to fly. You know, if you want to be in a relationship, the best thing we can do for any of us, if we want to be in a relationship, is start a relationship with ourselves. Because as was said earlier, if you want, to have power, you got to find power within yourself. You got to have self love. As long as you can find that love for yourself, you don't need someone else to validate you by loving you. You may want to feel the love of someone else, but you don't need it. And you're certainly not looking for that love to validate you, to make you feel a certain way. And that's what we have done as hurt people. You know, I know that when I was hurting, that's what I'd done. You know, when I came up, it was not a mom or dad that I could run to. I didn't grow up in a foster home. I grew up with a parent, you know, a child of a single mom. But mom had issues. So Harvey was left to do it on his own. You know, and so Harvey was listening to the cats on the street who was teaching me what I thought was how to make it, how to survive. You know, luckily I found a better way. But my relationships was about validating me. And, again, when I say that if you didn't treat me the way I thought I was supposed to be treated, you get fired. You get a pink slip or you might get some strong scorpion words. That's because I needed you to validate me. I needed you to stroke my ego. When we love, our, when we love ourselves, we don't need that, man. You know, when we right, realize right. that we are spiritual beings having a human experience and the emphasis is on Absolutely. spiritual you know, when we find that at the core of us is God, then we can start to work on some things. And, you know, Jamel, I think this is the perfect point to bring in my my next guest because her story is really going to be different than the two that we've heard. She's going to really emphasize what I mean by being able to find the God within you, being able to understand that you are a spiritual being having a human experience. 
Tamiko, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you this evening? I am fantastic. All right, Tamiko, Reverend Jamel, Reverend Jamel Tamiko. Hi, good to good to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you as well. And Tamiko, would you share with the listeners your story? Yes, I would love to share my story. Um, I'm going to give you short pieces. Um, I actually was molested at the age of 14, and I was in two abusive relationships. So I'm going to start with the relationships, and if you have any questions of me being molested at the age of 14, I'll be more than happy to share that as well. Um, I got married at a young age. My husband um he not only physically abused me but he mentally and and verbally abused me um he his whole thing was to tear down my self esteem well of course at the time I didn't know at that time I was married I was a size between a size nine ten five foot eleven so whenever you know we would have intercourse I can't call it making love but intercourse he would actually, you know, really try to hurt me by saying hurtful words, how no one would ever want me. I had a big stomach. You know, I was worthless. I was useless. And he had three women that, you know, he always was with right in front of my face. It went from verbal to physical. They had told him that I said that he was gay. I didn't even talk to these women because they, they were no friends of mine. And I never forget one day I was um, he was asking me about it, and I said I would I why would I say anything like that? I have kids by you, so how would why would I say something like that? And I was going down the stairs to go to my car, and it was the stair railing was wood, but it was old. He pushed me down the stairs. I grabbed the rail. Of course, my hands got tore up on the from the wood. And this went on and on. Either he was mad at me for some reason and cursing me out or, you know, finding, feeling the need to take advantage of me. So I got tired. And, of course, back then I was young. So I would sit on the, the sofa. I had lost all my self-esteem. I would rock back and forth with my son in my hand. The way I went to bed was the way I woke up with my hair standing on my head because I had lost all self-esteem. But there was a song I would always say was Tomorrow by the Whining. I eventually got so fed up until I thought the best way to take care of this issue was to kill myself. i never forget we were in the living room. The doctor had me on nerve pills, and I took a handful of nerve pills. He was talking to my sister at the time. My son, was he was a baby, and he he looked at me and he told my sister, he said, you ain't going to believe this. This dumb bee just took a handful of pills, and I'm about to leave her dumb A in this house to die. He grabbed my son and left. My sister ended up calling the paramedics and my mother. By the time they got to the house, I was stretched out on the, the sofa. My, I, my blood pressure was dropping, and the paramedics said, I'm going to have to take her to the hospital. Of course, I said, it's no law against dying in your own house. 
my mother was floored. I grew up with both parents. My mother could not believe it. They said, well, she don't, we cannot force her. So what we'll do is the next time we get a call, we will send us the more because she's not going to make it. Well, as you see, I'm still standing. God wasn't ready for me. He had something else for me to do. So that went on. The last draw is when he chased me down the stairs, a flight of stairs with a butcher knife. Thank God I lived in the same building my sister lived in. I was screaming as I'm jumping. My sister heard me coming down the stairs, and she opened the door, and she soon as she opened the door, I fell into her into her apartment, and she said, don't try it. If you cut her, I'm going to cut you. Don't try it. So we end up getting a divorce. I end up meeting a really nice guy. I got married the second time. He was amazing, just wonderful. I did not carry the abuse of that marriage into the other marriage because I believe that everybody is different. You treat them individually. So God figured, you know, we only need to be together for three years, and he called us home. So I eventually ended up in another relationship which I thought the guy was really nice, and he ended up, you know, being very, very abusive. He made the abuse that my first husband did look like we were just playing a game of patty cake because this man was so abusive. I had a house, a five-bedroom house with an east wing and a west wing. In order to get to the west wing, it was a, a bathroom that connected them, and the bathroom was over seven feet long. This man, the first time that he had ever hit me because he thought I was leaving him for another man. I don't know where he got it from, but however, I paid for it. He hit me on the east side of the house. He hit me so hard it knocked me all the way to the west side of the house. I hit the wall, staggered back, fell into the bathtub, and all I could hear him say is, I'll be back. He was going home, blow my brains out. I managed to get myself together, call the cops. Well, the cops and him was cool, so they did arrest him, but they let him go. We end up staying together. The abuse went on with him from wanting to bust me in the head with a phone, um, constantly cursing me out because we both owned limousine services. And whenever I would pick up his customers, if I didn't treat them the way he wanted them treated, and I treated everybody good, it was, I mean, it was hell to pay. So this went on for a while to the point I wasn't interested in killing myself. I was more interested in killing him. I'll never forget the day I walked in the garage and I told God, I can't take this no more because I know this is not why you put me on this earth. I'm not going to deal with it. And if I see it in my head, it, good or bad, I know if I don't do something quick, it's coming to life. So I told God, I want to kill him. I see myself killing him. You need to help me. And as I was going into my house, God said, the only reason why you're in this predicament is because you got more faith in him than you put in me. I'm the one that gives him money to pay his bills and help you with yours. But you don't see that. All you see is what he's doing. Now, if you want me to help you, then you're going to follow me. And I, I just threw my hands up. Yes, I'll follow you. I didn't know God was going to send me to the Army, but I said I'll follow, so 
before I went to the army was the last draw because I was I was on the phone. This guy had keys to my house, and I was talking on the phone to a friend. He happened to be under the window listening. He comes into the house and says, who are you talking to? I said, a friend. You don't, you don't know her as a friend, my friend. And so he just kept going on, and I said, girl, let me let you go. And I just paid him no attention. Why did I do that? This man flipped my TV over, just threw it right on the floor. And when he threw the TV on the floor, and this was one of these big TVs, he grabbed my feet, he drug me out of the bed, and he just started beating me. And the phone started to ring. I'm screaming, hoping my neighbors were here, and he just beat me. When the phone rung, I did everything I could to kick that phone over, and I was screaming, help me, help me. So happily, me and my family is very close. My sister was on the phone, and she called the cops. The cops came, and, of course, he's good in with the cops, but they told him, you know, you have this business. Look at what you're doing to, you know, yourself. You know, now if we arrest you, what's going to happen with your business? They weren't so much interested in me. But it was all good because I was leaving anyway. One week later, I was leaving to go away to the military. So, you know, like I said, it went on, and and I remember one time I had had surgery, and I had came home from the hospital, and he came over, and he said he he wanted to, to have intercourse. And I'm like, well, I got all these stitches in my stomach. Are you kidding me? And he was like, oh, you'll be okay. So, of course, he took advantage of me, bust my stitches. I had to end up going back to the hospital. But I always knew in my heart that God didn't put me down here for this. And what I realized through all of that was if I start to kick things out of my head, I kick them out of my life. And so I thought about when God said that as a man thinketh, so is he. So, I just got to the point with him, nope, I'm going to push you out. I'm going to keep pushing you out. And I love unconditional. So I wasn't pushing love out. I was pushing him out. And I got to the point that I overcame that. Yes, I did go to the, to the Army. I only went for a short time. And I'm doing, I'm doing very well, but my belief is if I recite the script and do all things through Christ that strengthened me, all things include abuse. All things include anything that I need his strength to get through. All right, Tamiko. And Reverend Jamel, you know this is where I asked you to speak. Please. It, it sounds like we have a strong woman who's very resilient and she has overcome many challenges. And I'm thanking you for speaking your truth because you have too inspired other women and men who may be listening to this uh, live broadcast or even recording. I mean, it's important that folks know that this situation that may be happening to them right now is not something that's going to happen forever. You've overcome some challenges in your life. And these were people who, in their minds, they thought that they could break you, but they didn't. If anything, they lost a jewel. They've lost a jewel. Someone who probably would have been there ride or die. So, you know, congratulations for breaking free of the madness and in and, and, and beginning your life as it's supposed to be. And that's free and happy. Thank you. 
All right. And Tamika, I really, as I said earlier, I really, really appreciate you and all the other women who came on tonight and said, you know, spoke your truths. Like Reverend Jamel said, one of the first things that we have to do, and, you know, I know it don't pertain so much to your situation, but there's millions of people out there, male and female. The first thing is to acknowledge it. You know, and when you can start to release that energy, because we are all spiritual beings, which means we have an energetic body, and that energetic body is much more powerful than the physical body. We just relate to the physical body because it's what we can see, is what we can understand. Yes. But when the energetic body is stagnant, when the energy is not flowing properly, then we're not living our best life. And so we need to get yeah. that energy out. And Tamiko, again, I just want to say I appreciate you, you know, so very much for coming on this evening. You're so welcome. Thank you for having <laughs> me this evening. I appreciate you. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. You know, Harvey, I was thinking, you know, isn't it awesome that you have a show where we're talking about the abuse that women have endured as hosted by two men? And oh, yeah. you know, I, I think it's in, it's important that men have these conversations. We, you know, I have a wife, I have a mother, I have a daughter, and you know, I don't think anyone wants to have to come and bail me out. You know, if something happens to my daughter, and you have a daughter as well, I got you, bro. So I, I do, and I'm teaching you know, her how to defend herself. Absolutely. So you know, it's really important that we we take this topic serious. Oftentimes, the guys who uh, have done the most abuse that I've I've witnessed. They end up with daughters, and, you know, this is God's way of teaching them how to really be gentle with, with women and not, you know, take them for granted and be violent. They don't always listen, but, you know, some of the most uh, violent uh, men who I've worked with have, you know, not not just one, but multiple daughters. So it's interesting uh, when that dynamic happens because, that you know, that's the lesson that they're supposed to get. They don't always get it, but it's important that they begin to understand that, you know, you don't have to you know, have this violence towards women in order to exert your power and control. You could just love them. They'll love you back. That's the power right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and all things happen the way they're supposed to, you know, all in divine order. So, like you said, there's a lesson in that. If this yes. is how you're going to treat women, guess what we're going to award you with as a child? Here you go. Mm. You know? Yep. And so right now, Reverend Jamel, I want to bring in Stacy Ferguson, and I want to hear a little from Stacy about what she think about what she heard. She is our resource specialist, and she is going to tell you know our right. listeners if you've gone through any kind of abuse that we've spoke about tonight, or even something maybe we didn't touch upon. You know, you can always hit one on your dial and ask Stacy, "Hey, how can I get help for this?" Stacy, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm Stacey. here. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. And also, let me say this: Stacy is a new member of the Family Healing Circle. She has yes, a show I that's am. on. When is your show on, Stacy? My show is on every Sunday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And what's the name of your show? Make me feel it, radio. Mm. So you're going to make us feel what you have to say to us right now, right? Absolutely. All right. I work with, Please do. I work with a lot of people, um, male, female, children. Um, I also work with the elderly. I work with a variety of people. Um, one thing for sure is that 
no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what your ethnic group is, all either been or know someone who's been in a predicament where they need help, whether it's domestic abuse, whether it's violence, whether it's sexual abuse. We all either know someone or it's us. There are so many resources out there available for you. You just need to know where to go. And a lot of those resources are free. We just have to take advantage of what we have available for us and know that there's always someone out there. You just have to reach out. And don't be scared to reach out. We are here for you. A couple things. And I'm going to give you guys a lot of information. Fast, um, please feel free to email me. It's Stacy S T A C Y, the letter L Ferguson F E R U S O N seven seven at gmail dot com. I will be able to forward you the information that I have, and if you need one on one, I will be able to refer you to someone who can give you that information also. So I'm going to go through a list because I know we don't have um, a lot of time. I want to be able to touch bases on a lot of things that may apply to a lot of people. Um, first one is human trafficking. A lot of people don't know that Maryland is number eight on the list for human trafficking. I learned that through a workshop. I had no idea. There is a trafficking hotline, and it's a national hotline. That phone number is one eight eight three seven three seven eight eight eight. 373 It's toll-free. It's a Answer any calls from anywhere in the country. They're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. They're there for you. If you think someone is encouraging you, is to you in that direction to sell your body for money, for goods, for drugs, that's human trafficking. That's illegal. You speak to someone. Sexual assault and abuse. We have the Turnaround Incorporated. They have counseling. Stacey, Stacey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to get want you to get too far away from human trafficking. Um, mm-hmm. Having lived in Texas and Houston is a big port for human trafficking. For people who are going through it, what you mentioned is good if someone's trying to entice them into it. But could you also mention, you know, how human trafficking works where people are taking women, uh, pulled from, you know, as far south as South America, Mexico, they're brought mm-hmm. into this country with the promise of a job, yeah. and they find yeah. themselves as prostitutes. You know, and it's not just there. It's with the breakup of the Soviet Union, the KGB, mm-hmm. a lot of those people mm-hmm. have turn their skills into profit throughout Europe, and they move women into America. Maryland is one of the big ports for Russian and for Western Europe trafficking coming in. So, you know, if you see someone out on the street who may have an accent, maybe they're Asian, maybe they're Hispanic, maybe they're European and have one of those accents, and they're prostituting, chances are they don't want to be there. They came here against their will, and oftentimes they're moved. So they may be coming in through Houston, and then they may be in the ATL for a minute, and they find their way in Tennessee for a second, and then in Maryland, and they're shuffled all around the country. I'm sorry. I asked you to tell about it, and then I just did. I apologize. Exactly. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you 
other than I could have ever if you did a very good job. <laughs> um, but yes, also children. Children who have parents that are on drugs, they do not have a person that confide in. That watch our children. That watch how they that watch them home from school. They scope out the situation and they entice them with, Hey, I see that you're poor, you don't really have a lot of money. Here's a way where you can make money. And they offer them jobs. So children, not really knowing, they take those jobs and then the next thing you know, they're prostituting them all over the world, all over Maryland. Maryland that has that 95 corridor. Maryland, Washington, D.C., Virginia, you can get all up and down the East Coast, 95. So they might take children from one area and take them to another area they're not familiar with. Sometimes those children that walk up to you, to you or at your car and say, we selling this or we selling this, if that child looks unsure, if that child looks scared, don't second guess it. I'd rather you be safe than sorry. Because somebody has those children out there. All the children, some of them, yes, they are out there for their football league, football league, whatever. Some of those children are not. So I just need everyone to be aware. I, I put it in the back of your mind. Because at some point, you're going to see something. But now in the back of your mind, comes to the front. And you say, you know what? I say, Yo. Pay attention. Be familiar with your surroundings. We have to take each other. Be familiar with the children you see in the neighborhood. I'm going to keep going. Um, the next is the RAIN Project, which is a nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. They handle rape, abuse, incest information, and they have an online hotline. Their telephone number, and that's R-A-I-N-N. Phone number is four, I'm sorry, 1-800. 656 HOPE, which is 4673. I tried to give um, several resources out Maryland, just in case you're not in Baltimore City. There should be somewhere where they have a national center that you can contact them and they can find something that's close to you. The next one is Sexual Assault Forensic Examiners. It's the SAFE Project. They do evidence and injury documentation within one week of the assault. So if you have been assaulted, you have where this can help you. They can find if you don't know who did it, they can help you. Their phone number, 443-849-3323. The next one, the, uh, the acronym is SALI, Sexual Assault Legal Institute. Free legal assistance, guys. Free. Free legal assistance. S-A-L-I. Their phone number is 301-565-2277. Now, this one was a shocker to me, but I need everyone to be aware. Our elderly, the people that live by themselves, our elderly that live in the senior centers, elderly people have a higher statistic of catching STDs and STIs. You want to know why? Because people who are up to no good, 
to treat our elderly any kind of way and want them back know that elderly people, they, but they know that they can get their checks. They know they can take their money. They know they can coerce them into getting money from them. So they have sex with them, and they give them STIs, STDs. We've tr- we treat so many elderly people for sexually transmitted diseases. We have to take care of our elderly. You have to check on your mother, your grandmother, your aunt. This is something we can prohibit, but we have to be aware of it. Maryland Department of Aging, 1-800-243-3425. Last for our men. Now, all of these institutions that I've given you information about they treat men, women, children, elderly. But this right, is just for men, called one in six. One in six men have been sexually abused, molested in some kind of way. There is a 24-7 online help, and you just have to go to their website. It's oneinsix.org. They keep everything confidential, but all you have to do is get to the website. They give you everything you need online. They have a chat person that pops as soon as you log on to ask you what services you need, how may we help you, and where are you. There are so many free resources out here, guys. All you need to do is tap into what we do and ask for help. The first step to getting help is admitting that there is a problem. We're here for you. Reach out to us. We can connect you to resources. But you have to first admit that there's a problem and know that there's somebody that's going to walk you through it through the whole time and they're not going to let leave you alone. Again, my name is Stacey. I'm on Make Me Feel It Radio, Sunday nights from 7 to 9. Feel free to email me, Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, L is in Larry Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, 77L.com. All right, Stacy. thank you very much. Thank you for that, yes. You are so welcome. Anything for you guys. <laughs> I just love the family healing circle. <laughs> All right. And so, Reverend Jamel, as we hold on, I think we may have a question out here. Let me see. Okay. You're on the air. Uh, 2738 is the last four. Wow, what an amazing show, brethren. Brother Amir. We've had some amazing goddess to step forward and give us a very unique look at ourselves through their eyes. And I tell you, uh, Brother Jamel, you hit it right on the head. One man's garbage is another man's treasure. Yes. Because each man sees that same sunlight differently than the other. You can be standing right beside one another and yet that sunrise looks so different based upon your experience prior to that sunrise. And I have an amazing sunrise every morning when I hear uh, my goddess, my queen, talk to me 
and let me know that she is still standing right there as my ride or die chick. Oh, excuse me, ride or die queen. Hey, Amir, so if you don't mind, would you like to say who your queen is? If you don't oh, mind. No, I mean, you don't have to. Oh, oh no, no, no. Mind? Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to mind telling the world that Amir Tomiko Angela Green is the woman that makes my heart sing. And it started in an amazing way that I didn't know it was coming. But when it did, it was almost as if God had divinely placed it together. And we've been amazingly connected ever since the very first time I heard her say hello. It was like that was mine. That, As a matter of fact, the day that I heard her voice, the song was playing in the background, you were made for me. It was like. It couldn't have been more divine than that. And ever since then, we've we've grown, we've learned, we're learning, and and now it seems like we're almost symbiont together. Yeah. Um, sure, yeah, we do have our our moments of 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 not being able to see eye to eye, but the one thing we do know is that heart to heart we stand together. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've I've learned and I've I've listened, and the one thing that I knew or learned coming up was. Listening gave me a whole lot more information than talking. Because now, now that I have heard what you said and I processed it, now I get to figure out how do I get that information and and bring it so that you feel that I know that you're valuable, and that that's the the skill set that a lot of us need to uh, harvest is the skill of listening. Not just waiting for my turn to talk, actually listening. And that's one thing that that uh, Amira was very keen on on letting me know that that's the one thing that she values is a listening, as well as she's an amazing talker now, but <laughs> she's also a very skillful listener. So I I I, I learned that what I'm looking for. I had to first of all look for it in myself, and then she showed up as a reflection of me. So, uh-huh. to the family, my queen, my Emira, Tamiko, Angela, Green. All right, Namir, thank you. We appreciate both you, and we definitely appreciate her for sharing her story this evening. All right, my brother, you have a good evening. Likewise, my friend. Thank you. Take all care. right. So, all right, Jamel. So, any final thoughts? As a matter of fact, you know what? Hold that final thought, and we're gonna go to a song, soften the mood a little bit, and then we'll come right back. Okay.
final thoughts, my friend. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Just um, I just want to thank all the folks who you know participated in this. I think it's uh, if we could do this every week, that would be beautiful because I don't think there's enough time to really exhaust this particular subject. I mean, we we got to do better. You know, we we look at uh, in our communities, we look at in our families, and this thing is destroying. It has destroyed a lot of families. Mm-hmm. We're talking about violence, sexual assault. Um, you know, the the fact that uh, men when they're abused, they don't talk about it. And, uh, you know, the sister mentioned that. Um, the sister, Some sisters, you know, it's common for them to be abused, and that needs to be discussed because it's, it's not something that you want your children to grow up with thinking that, hey, you know, this is how I get mom to do things, you know, get my lady to do things my way is to hit them. Um, I, I dated a young lady. I'm married now, but years ago, in my 20s, I dated a, a young lady, and she was uh, divorcing her husband. And we were in a relationship, and she had children, and he was very abusive. And it was almost like she expected me to be violent towards her. And so I I couldn't be in that relationship because it wasn't healthy for me or her or her children. And so, you know, I would just encourage anyone out there that's listening that if you find yourself in that type of situation, you know, sometimes it's best to separate for the sake of all people who are around you, you know, for the sake of sanity, for the sake of health, for the sake of just happiness, Um you know, no one, love shouldn't hurt. Love should not hurt. We like to say the word love all the time, but, you know, hitting, calling names, uh, uh, taking something that someone says, hey, I don't want you to have it right now, those things, uh, they don't represent love. They represent a selfish act of a selfish person. So um, I definitely look forward. I know we'll probably uh, touch on this uh, subject and topic again, and I will definitely be open to that. So thank you to all the guests. Uh, who participated in this process. All right. And Jamel, I'm going to give you a chance to give you information, but I just want to say, you know, to what you were saying, I, I know what it's like to date a woman like that. I was messing with this girl many, many years ago, and quite frankly, the truth of the matter is, after spending a little bit of time with her, I realized I didn't even like her you because of her, her mentality. I wasn't dating. Well, no, I wasn't dating her. I was messing with her. We were spending time, and you know, we were relating. But, yeah. but I realized that I didn't even like her because, you know, she had that mentality. And what I mean is, she had a way of pushing my buttons, and she did it intentionally. And as long as she weren't getting to me, she kept going. And going and going until she could find the right buttons. And when she pushed the right buttons, and, and then I'm screaming and hollering at her, then all of a sudden she's got this devilish smile on her face. You know, and I couldn't understand what is it about this, you know, that makes her happy. Why would you smile when it, it's like this? I don't, you know, I believe in the kiss method. Keep it simple, sexy. You know, I don't want all this static. I don't want all this drama. And that that worked for her for some reason, you know. And, you know, of course, like I said, I was relating to her. So in the mindset that I was in at that time, it did not matter, at least for a while, the drama that I went through as long as I was getting what I want. And the only socially redeeming quality I could find in her was that she smelled exceptionally good and she was so pretty that I just liked to look at her. If I could just put tape on her mouth is what I would always think. As long as she weren't talking, she was perfect, you know, because she was so pretty and she smelled so good. But, you know, eventually you reach a point where you realize there's more than just that. You can't have a relationship 
with that. You can't overlook the fact that y'all not compatible. <laughs> you know, her desire yeah. for me to, you know, be mean to her. Jamel, one day she was getting on my nerves so bad that I was taking her to the mall and on the way to the car, she had on flip-flops. She had broke the strap on her flip-flops, so her foot was sliding forward in the flip-flops. And, and she was just pushing every single button, and I weren't saying a thing. So, you know, I'm calculating how I'm going to get even. We got to the mall. I parked all the way in the back of the mall, all the spot. We could have parked way up front, but I parked all the way in the back of the mall just so that we could walk knowing how hard it was because of her flip-flop, you know. And, and even though she complained the whole time, you know, I told her, you know what, this is it. I don't want you to spend the night with me tonight. I'm taking you home. All of a sudden, the whole thing switched around. And, no, come on, please. You know, and it's like, this is crazy. This, why? I just made you walk mm. in your broken shoe from the back of the parking lot into the mall, and, and you still want to spend the night with me? You've been picking with me, getting on my nerves for at least about 20 minutes or so, <laughs> you know, so I, I can understand it, man. And unfortunately, it can become something that we expect, we get addicted to. If this is how we've been treated, though we may want something different, when something different shows up, we don't know how to accept it. We don't know how to right. be in it. Right. And unfortunately, those are the relationships. I'm sorry, I was going to say this. Those, those relationships where they have the most passion, whether it be fight. Or sex is still passion. It's just how do you want to, how do you, how does it show up? It's either uh, passionate sex or passionate anger. You know, you got to figure yeah. out which one you want. I want peace. <laughs> Absolutely, I, passion I can't peace. strive in those relationships. I, I need peace. Yeah. You know, I was married for eight years, and those eight years were pretty peaceful. You know, we were the corny couple. We dressed alike. We did everything together. You know, it didn't last, but some things don't last forever. We still maintain a an excellent friendship, you know. Right. So I, I want peace. That's all. Right, I understand. Reverend Jamel, so tell us, how can we get in touch with you? How can we hear you on the radio? What's your show about? Tell us a little about you. So I am a native Baltimore. Baltimorean, you can uh, hear me every third Thursday on the Sacred Masculine Show here on the Family Healing Circle Blog Talk Radio uh, at 7 o'clock. You can reach me by email at uh, givethanks at live.com, and that's G-I-V-E-T-H-X at L-I-V-E dot com. You can also reach me on Instagram, if you like. uh, It's I Give Thanks. You can also see me on Twitter at I Give Thanks, and you can reach me on Facebook at Jamel A. Gilliam. And so would love to get feedback from you guys. If you have any questions, if there's something that I mentioned that you would like to hear more about, uh, please uh, participate in the Sacred Masculine Show. It's not just for the brothers. Uh, the show is an opportunity for us to unvilify men. I think all too often uh, there's been a vilification of men where they're the villain, they're the bad guys, they're the culprits, and unfortunately some of the men have bought into it and it has served them. They said, hey, you know what, I'm a bad guy. You know, we're going we're gonna, to uh, reverse that. We're going to let folks know that chivalry is not dead, that we are back, that the, that the spiritual man who's always been there, that we're back. You know, people like 
Reverend Harvey Bailey or the brother Amir or myself or countless other brothers out there that we all know and love. I want those brothers to be celebrated and not these brothers who uh, just haven't realized their, their divinity. Uh, and we're just regular brothers. You know, we, we take our children to school. We go to work every day. We have businesses. You know, we're in church or wherever our spiritual centers are. We're, we're doing these regular things. So it's no, there's no different from us and the other guys. And we want those women to also recognize us so they can talk about us to their men or their sons or other women and let them know that, you know, there are some good men out there. All right. Well, thank you, Reverend Jamel. And I appreciate you uh, sitting in the whole night for Reverend Arlene, who is celebrating her nuptials. Again, I want to wish her congratulations. Uh, yes, happy it's a beautiful night. day for her. <laughs> What's that song, uh, At a James, At Last? Somebody somewhere sing it. Right, At Last. <laughs> so again, you know, if you know Arlene or if you just listen to us every second Thursday of the month, you know, you can send her a congratulations on getting married today. You can... Send it to the Family Healing Circle at gmail.com. You can go to the One Love, One Connection, One Us Facebook page and post congratulations to Arlene. Or, again, if you are a close friend and you you have her number, you can send her a text. Don't call her because she's busy. But you can send her a text saying congratulations (laughs) on getting married today. All right, and I want to let everyone know that the Family Healing Circle is now also the Family Healing Circle Media, FHC Media, and you can hear these shows on YouTube. It's already up on YouTube, so go to YouTube and look for the Family Healing Circle. Well, Reverend Jamel, this is our show. It's been a pleasure having you sit in, you know, and I guess we're going to have to do it again at some point. And I am going to have Tupac take us out of here. Yes. Something for my godson Elijah and a little girl named Corinne. Don't forget, girl, keep your hat. And when 